Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and welcome back. Um, I hope everyone has been having a most enjoyable week and a wonderful day. Um, Today is a beautiful day in the Northeast, and it's really fitting coming off of last week's spring fever show. Um, Had so much fun last week. I mean, once the sun comes out, everyone just gets so antsy and kind of doesn't know what to do with the energy. And Mark Twain once wrote, it's spring fever. That is what the name of it is. And when you've got it, you want, oh, you don't quite know what you, what it is you want, but it just fairly makes your heart ache. You want it so. And we all get that. You know, you're, we're cooped up all winter, at least those who um, have a winter. And by the time the sun comes out, you just want to get out and get going, and you're all revved up, but you don't know where to turn. Now, also coming off the of last week was the Oscars, and the Oscars is a perfect marriage between fashion and entertainment, and it's kind of an annual tradition in my house where my sister, my mom, and I are always on the phone talking about the Oscars, and throughout the show, my sister has the vantage point of of the eye for fashion, and I have the vantage point of what's going on in the of, in the industry. And so last week on Spring Fever, I, I invited my sister on to come on and, and talk about um, doing spring cleaning and what's really going to be shaping up for spring and how to make moms feel good. Now, I couldn't do that show alone because, as I said before, I'm totally not a fashionista. So I brought in my other mama's pearls fashionista, Bonnie Zarabi, who is a friend of mine, a fellow lawyer, a working mom, and also recently started a lifestyle blog called um, Bonnie Park, which can be found on Blogspot. It's www.bonniepark.blogspot.com. And Bonnie is somebody who can just keep things simple. She doesn't like clutter. She doesn't like excess in basically any part of her life. And we really talked about the relationship and attachments that we have with material items, particularly clothes and accessories for women, and how important it is when you get to spring when you get to spring, to start it fresh. Um, I really see spring as a dance between summer and winter, and it's really a time to to reflect on your past and to kind of look in your present and clear out what you need to in order to pave way for the future. Um, and it's kind of synonymous with me with, with gardening and tending to your seeds, tending to your wardrobe, um, and and setting it up straight so things come, come into full bloom over time. And so Bonnie and Val and I were really going on. I was clearly the, um, you know, when you do makeover shows, like I was clearly the... <laughs> the person who was the before um, and was the one being worked on, and I still didn't mind being in that position and and, um, and being quite vulnerable talking about a topic where 
I don't have any expertise in. Um, and re- as far as fashion goes, I mean, the clearing out your life, I, I can I can chat about that. But as far as fashion goes and the trends and the styles, that's so not me. So thank you again to Val and to Bonnie for coming on and, and setting us straight here at Mama's Pearls and for giving us a, a glimpse into spring. And, um, and again, for Bonnie for coming into my house and making sure that I go through all my old stuff and closets and really clear out and try to keep it simple. So if you want to hear more about this spring's cleaning and spring fever, be sure to check out Spring Fever on Mama's Pearls in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls, and you'll find it there. This week we're switching gears into talking about my next favorite subject, which is food. I would think um, aside from my family and my friends and my loved ones, food is definitely my most favorite topic. It's my most favorite topic to talk about, and it's my most favorite thing to experiment with. Um, And in in doing this, so many things came flooding to me as far as memories from my childhood, um, and my family when it came to food, as well as with my grandparents and the different traditions. And so I really wanted to bring on my cousin, who is a pediatrician, and she specializes in childhood obesity, as right now there seems to be this epidemic across the world. It's not even locally anymore in America. It's really a global concern about the rising causes and concern about childhood obesity. And my cousin Joanna, Dr. Joanna Dolgoff, excuse me, she recently published a book called Eat Right, Red Light, Green Light, Eat Right. And in it she really sets forth an amazing plan that families can follow as well as children. And I've been working with Joanna quite closely. I'm I'm basically three months her elder and have known her all my life, and all all her life, I should say. And she's doing exactly what she she should be doing now, and I'm just so excited to welcome her here. And before we really dive in and introduce Joanna, one of the things that was that I was thinking about was my grandmother and the history of my family and how food was so important. On my father's family, it was more of like a gluttonous affair. And when you sat down to eat, it was basically like every man for himself. And if you didn't, if you didn't, that's Joanna chuckling because she's been at our table for years and years and years. So, exactly. Joanna, why don't you pop on and just say hi? Cause <laughs> hi. Sorry about that. Couldn't hold I, it in. Yeah, I can't, I can't talk about like pigging out with my family without you. So, <laughs> welcome officially, Dr. Joanna Dolgoff. Yeah, our, our family can be quite the gluttons. We make fun almost every time we, my family goes out for a nice meal, meaning my husband and my kids. We always joke around on the way after, hey, anyone want to stop for a pizza? Because that's what my grandfather would do. They would have a huge four or five course meal and then he would stop for a pizza pie on the way home from the restaurant and eat it. And yeah, he didn't it, think that there was anything wrong with that. It, I mean, it's it, was, crazy. it was it was pretty disgusting. I mean, there there's fa- there's family stories of your dad and my dad and the brothers and the cousins and all you know all the male cousins. Um, which when my dad was on um, when we were taking stock on Mama's pearls, he really went into a little bit about the lay of the land where he grew up with basically all all male cousins and brothers and just you know there wasn't a girl in sight. And um, they used to go to all-you-can-eat buffets and scarf their faces, and they used to get kicked out. And they'd be like, what do you mean? It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. And they would have to kick them out because they would just gorge and gorge and gorge. And this is a regular thing. That wouldn't have been a very special event. That would have been just like Thursday. You know, (laughs) they would do that. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, contrast that with my my mother's parents who, you know, they came here after the Holocaust, survived a war, and they had a very different motto. Their motto was um, they didn't live to eat, they ate to live. And that piece is kind of missing here. I think most Americans live to eat rather than we just eat what we need to survive. And um, and it was there, but it, but 
even though they had that, my, my grandmother was still like the consummate Jewish grandmother where if you entered her house, it was like, hi, grandmother, and she would like make sure that you sat down at the table and had at least like five servings of chicken noodle soup and whatever else that they had, you know, it was usually like a chicken and, you know, all the all the Jewish foods um, and then followed by dessert. And you could not literally get up for like an hour and a half. Now, yeah, I think one of the things is that people, like you said, they expect every meal and every snack to be like a culinary enjoying, you know, enjoying and culinary experience. Like sometimes you eat just for fuel. So when I, when patients, you know, and on my program, patients can eat whatever they want because they get their two red light foods. But once they've done that, then they have to make healthier choices. And sometimes I say to them, just, you know, maybe you just eat it so that you're not hungry. And then the next meal will be something great. But you, everything you put in your mouth doesn't have to be a fabulous culinary experience. You know, sometimes you eat just to fuel your body. Right. So sometimes um, you just sort of turn into that a little bit. Right. I mean, we totally looked forward to going to my grandma's house and getting that special treatment. And when my grandparents, when they first met my dad, you know, when my mom first brought my dad over and my grandmother was like, you know, you're hungry, you eat. My dad, like, had no problem pulling up a chair, sitting down and (laughs) eating whatever she dished him out. And she loved it. And she loved him partly because he ate and nobody else in my my mom's family really had a big appetite. So they, they express love through food. It, and it expresses love, love through them food. And, and I think food you don't. Yeah, and I think we're coming into you know, a new awakening, so to speak, with our relationship with food. And this is really why I wanted to focus on it um, this week, especially in spring, and also so I can, you know, figure out when to to book you on the show because you've been so busy lately promoting your book and building up your practice. And, um, you know, I was really thinking about our struggle with food, and that's why I I entitled the, the blog this week and the show this week, Food Fight. And um, the pearl of the week is eat, try, love. Obviously, you know, part of an homage to eat, pray, love. Um, but really, also talking talking about, you know, we need to eat to survive. Um, eating is one of our most intimate relationships that we can have, you know, our relationship with food. It's something literally you take into your body and you're doing that three to four plus times a day where you're, you know, supposed to eat. And um, it's important for kids to try new things, and it's important for adults to try new things to to um, develop your palate. And then it's, you know, on the things that you love, it's important to have moderation. So I really wanted to have your take on it because things are getting to a critical mass with food and childhood, especially in childhood obesity and also just obesity throughout, um, you know, throughout adults. It's um, it's really becoming an epidemic, and one of the things that you wrote in your book, Red Light, Green Light, Eat Right, is that it's now basically one in three American children are, are obese, and that really freaked me out. So before we get into that, I just wanted to remind people and to kind of you know, give them a little bit more sense of Joanna. You know, like I said, I've known her entire entire life. I am three months her elder. She has, as long as I've known her, and and every week I do um, different questions on Facebook, and one of the questions I asked um, when we were talking about Starlight, Starbright, and um, following her dreams was what you wanted to be when you got older. And Joanna's answer was a pediatrician. And I thought that was amazing because you really followed your dreams and you're doing what you always said you wanted to do. And I just think that's amazing. And I know your love affair with food, having shared many many meals and snacks with you. And I've seen you just develop and mature over the years into a true professional and expert in your field. And when we were talking a couple of years ago, when you, I mean, you have two kids, so you're also a working mom. And I remember talking to you when you were working part-time saying, 
saying how you really wanted to get into this field of childhood obesity. You weren't really sure how to do it. You knew it was a huge risk for you to take that to take a jump and basically leave your leave your stable position in in the practice that you're working with in time you know, at the time, and basically venture out there. And I remember talking to you and saying, like, look, if you're going to do it, now is, now is the time. This is, this is the time where this issue is, like, going to explode. And, you know, cut to two years later, you have a thriving practice where that focus is just on helping, helping families with weight management issues and particularly specializing in childhood obesity. You also have an online program through your website, www.drdolgoff, which is D-O-L-G-O-F-F.com. And it's D-R, just so you know, not spelling doctor out, D-R-D-O-L-G-O-F-F. Thanks, Son. And your book has been published by Rodale, which is one of the most prominent publishers, especially in the area of, of food and nutrition and well-being. And you've done a ton of press all over the place. So, and then aside from that, you know, you have your whole your whole nerd factor of being a graduate of Princeton University and studying, you know, at the at NYU and doing your residency at Columbia. I mean, I'm just personally, I'm just so proud of you. Thank you. And I think it's your real inspiration to other moms who constantly, again, you know, struggle with pursuing a career and doing the things that you love versus raising raising a family, and you've somehow managed to do both. And you're. Just I have, although I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and say it's always so easy. There are definitely times when it's more difficult. Um, what's interesting is that while I am now working many more hours a week than I was when I worked at my prior job as a general pediatrician, um, I am in control of which hours I work. So I know every time I would get a note about a school play or Danielle's Shabbat or whatever it would be, my heart would sink because I knew there was a chance I wouldn't be able to go. And that's the worst feeling in the world. And then I'd have to ask my employer, is it okay if I go? And most of the time it was, but I couldn't be sure. Now I know I can be sure. If I want to see my child in a play, I'm just not going to see patients at that time. So that's something that has been really good. I work a little bit later in the evenings than I used to. Not a lot. One night a week I work late. The rest of the days I'm home for dinner. Um, but, I, you know, I make that a priority. And then Wednesdays are my afternoons to be with the kids and just play mommy, which I think is so important because I have young kids. So what's great is that I have such flexibility to do what it is that I want to do. And that part is, is great. You know, there's nothing like being able to make your own hours and not ever answering to anybody. Right. Well, and I remember you going through your residency and where, I mean, forget it. Don't even get me started on <laughs> it. was horrible. On the residency and what, you know, what you guys have to go through to become a doctor. It's just ridiculous. And yeah. probably the most unhealthy experience ever, which right, is the most right. ironic thing. When well, you're not, only unhe- not only unhealthy for the doctor, but did you really want to pay a doctor operating on you after they'd been up 30 hours straight? Like, no, no. thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. But but we'll talk about, like, health care reform. Yeah, another time. <laughs> Part right. of it, another, another time. But I remember you pursuing, you know, what to me was madness and, mm-hmm. um, and then coming out and working and then having kids. And what, for you, made you switch? Switch to doing what I'm doing now, you mean? I mean, deciding basically, again, to um, put your family first and, one, do the part-time when you you were a pediatrician and now to to take the leap into what you're doing now. You know what, it's funny. It really, it evolved in me, and I'm going to be completely honest that, because my mom worked and, I don't know, I just always saw working women, I could never have imagined myself staying home. Like, I had no idea what a stay-at-home mom actually does and the fact that they're really rarely at home. And I know they're very busy, but I didn't know that. So when I first started, I was like, I'll never be a stay-at-home mom. I'm going to work, blah, blah, blah. And I loved what I did. But then as my kids, you know, as one became two and they started to get a little older, but they really needed me, I, I kind of just followed where my gut told me to go and all of a sudden I realized my gut I was like aching that I wasn't spending enough time with the kids right. and I'm a strong believer in listening to 
your heart. You know, that some, somehow you're going to get guided in the right direction. And I was really lucky to have my mother who completely supported going part-time because then I was only working like 21 hours a week. I did that for about two years of general pediatrics. And then my kids started to get a little older, and suddenly they had their own after-school activities, and they didn't really need me around so much. And then I switched back. I felt like my career needed me more. So then I was able to devote a little more time to my career, not going full-time, but still developing more. And then, and this is going to sound so sappy, but then at some point I kind of felt like the children in the country needed me because there's nobody who does what I do, pretty much. There's no standardized weight loss program for children anywhere out there, which really blows my mind. Like, I can't be the only person who noticed that there was a problem, but it seems everybody's talking about there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem, but nobody's actually coming up with any solutions for it. So I started, you know, making my plan and going over it. First, I was going to do it just for my patients in my practice, but I realized that that wouldn't be feasible. And I just decided uh, to take the plunge. It was actually my grandfather who said to me, you know, I said to him, somebody has to do something about this obesity crisis. And he looked at me and he said, Joanna, you have to do something about this obesity crisis. Right. And I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. You were, was, you, were, you were following in the words of wisdom of um, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Right. And then I was like, you know, I was nervous. And, I'll be, and I always say this in interviews. I had I came into it very blindly, not fully realizing exactly how much money it takes to start a business, right. which I'm kind of glad at this point because had I known all the amount <laughs> of money, wouldn't have done it. I right. Have, no, I'm not lying. I wouldn't have done it. But you know, my husband and I were like, oh, we can live without your salary for a year or two, and then if it doesn't work, you'll work again. Not realizing, you know, I mean, we were really for someone who's smart. I certainly did not do it the right way, but I almost feel like. That must have been the way it had to be because otherwise I wouldn't have done it. I would have been way too afraid. And it's all worked okay. out, you know, for the best. So, um, well, but yeah, it well, was crazy. One more, one more comment about doctors and money and business, and we'll save, and we'll save the rest for the healthcare um, show that we're going to do, is basically, like, I don't want my doctors thinking about business. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want have- you... You, everybody has to, and it's and the medical profession has become so much of a business that doctors have to think about it. But I really don't want my doctors worrying about money. I don't. I want them worrying about I have to get a good night's sleep, <laughs> wake right. up and see my patients, and basically give them life or death choices. That's yeah. What no. What what instead they have to worry about how am I going to get this person out of the office as quickly as possible because if I don't see a ridiculous number of patients, I can't pay my mortgage and my son's not going to be able to go to college and da, da, da. I mean that's the reality right. I mean I, you know I don't have that problem in my practice because now I'm not doing general pediatrics and I sort of make my own way and my patients get reimbursed from the insurance company and they pay me so that works a little bit better but um it's just it's hard you know it's very hard and it's only going to get worse for doctors unfortunately Unfortunately. Are you still there? Cynthia? Okay, I got disconnected for a moment. That's never happened to me before in Mama's Pearls. So, um, Dr. Joanna Golgoff, will you please call back in? Again, the call-in number here is 347-327-9450. So I think I see you coming up now, and I think I have another caller, which we're going to get to you in a second. Joanna? Sorry, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I got call, I got um, clicked off, but whatever. Um, you would think that it would be because one of my kids came in and grabbed the phone, but no, my phone just decided to click me off. 
Hello? I, hello, you, you on? Yeah, it keeps going on and off. Really? Is it really clicky? No, now I'm good. Okay. Um, all right, so I wanted to get back to food, and I do see that I have another caller on the line, so I'm curious to see who this is or if it's just somebody who's listening. So hang on one second, okay? Hello? Hello? Hello and welcome to Mama's Pearls. Are you sure it wasn't me calling back? No, there's definitely another caller on the switchboard, but they could just be listening in. So um, you are on the air, but if you don't want to chat, that's fine too. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) You're interrupting my food conversation with my cousin. How dare you? Um, (laughs) But um, anyway, so... Let's get back to talking about you emerging on this new career. Um, and I remember talking to you and your husband about it, and basically um, your timing almost couldn't have been worse when you said you weren't aware of what it took financially to get it started. Was <laughs> you, know, you basically also decided to do it when the economy was spiraling downward. Yeah, um, that also would have been a nice thing to have known. <laughs> and you, but yet you still took the leap of faith and following your heart. And I remember talking to you and just ad nauseum about, like, this is the wave that's happening, and you well, are the so first, the first five or six the first five or six months it wasn't going down. That I mean, it was so it wasn't right. like I had I just started. started it, but I was already you know in for a penny, in for a pound at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you didn't you didn't even look back once you basically decided to do it. You were just like, that's it. I'm doing it. I know what I need to do. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you found yourself a literary agent. agent. You mm-hmm. did your proposal. You got your book done. You started your practice. You opened an office. You hired staff. I mean, you just basically never looked back. And that, to me, is so inspiring. And I think for other, other women who hesitate of whether to do, do things, I mean, I might suggest to them to, yes, do a budget before you, do, <laughs> before you throw yourself out there. But follow your heart and see where it leads you. And so, um, so tell me a little bit about the structure of your program. Um, why is it called Red Light, Green Light? Why is it the traffic plan and about your book? Sure. So... It's a traffic light nutrition system, which means I've taken every food you could think of and I've divided them into red light, yellow light, and green light categories with appropriate serving sizes. When a patient comes into my office, I do a full physical exam just to make sure there's no medical cause for weight gain. I also look for subtle signs of medical problems from weight gain, like signs of prediabetes and things like that. Then we do something called a calorimetry breath test where they breathe into a tube. The machine calculates their resting metabolic rate And that tells me the maximum number of calories that they can eat in a day and still lose weight, which is great because we obviously want them to be able to eat as much as possible without losing weight. So that's what we do for the kids who come in to see me. We also have patients who just do the program online. So for those patients, since I can't examine each of them individually, we use the calorie level that's the norm for their age and their height. So it's it's pretty accurate. It's not quite as finely tuned to the person's own body as if they come in to me. But basically, um, we know how many calories they're, they're supposed to have, and we know how many calories my personal patients are supposed to have. And I take that number, because I don't want kids wondering about calories, I take that number and turn it into colors. Everyone on the program has three meals and two snacks a day. I'll say, for example, your meals will be three green light foods, your snacks will be one green light food, then everybody gets two red light foods to use each week as they want. So it teaches which foods are the healthiest, it teaches what an appropriate serving size is, and it also teaches the normal give and take of healthy eating. They can go to a party and have pizza and cake with their friends and then make healthier choices later on. So there's no food that's off limits. And so it's, that's really important because it's a system that kids – They just understand. The system's also outlined in my book, Red Light, Green Light, Eat Right, which is filled with all kinds of delicious recipes and advice advice for parents on how to handle a play date, how to handle holidays, birthday parties, all the situations where you may not be as in control. The book has lots of suggestions for what you can do. Right. The online I, mean, I, I personally, I personally love the book. I find it's, um, I mean, like hearing you talk about it. If you, if I'm listening to you for the first time, I might be like, 
you know, a little bit too much to take in, what she's talking about, red light, green light, um, and, and yellow light, but it's actually a very intuitive matchup, what, you, what you've done in terms of categori categorizing foods and also taking you through very simply, like, breaking things down, understanding what you have to be concerned with health-wise, what you have to be concerned with um, in terms of going about your your just daily life as a as a parent. Um, your book is broken down into very easy to follow sections. Your recipes I love, and <laughs> I do. I've, I've tried a couple of out, and you also give like very easy, um, like quick fixes almost, like quick mm -hmm. things that you can do, and just easy things that that you can do to basically change change a meal up to instead of a yellow into a green um okay. when you think of like a traffic light everybody just intuitively knows that when you're driving red you stop you know yellow you use caution and green is fine you can go and it's i think a brilliant way for kids to come come and learn quote the rules of the road of of eating um and also for parents to be able to to reinforce to be, reinforce it so when you're talking about um, the well, I mean, let's back up a second. Like, how does a parent know when their kid needs help or when they need help? You know, a lot of well, that's a, that's a big problem because studies show that about seventy percent of parents of overweight kids think their children are either normal weight and some even think they're underweight. So parents don't know. The other issue, which the American Academy of Pediatrics is trying to address is that pediatricians are often reluctant to bring it up to parents. They don't want to make parents feel bad. So they're really not saying it. So a parent says, well, the doctor didn't say anything to me. He, he must be fine. And, and that's not necessarily the case. You really need to find out what your child's body mass index percentile is. It's a lot of words. But if you go onto my website, drdolgoff.com, um, you can click on to, um, you know, BMI, what is my BMI, and, and fill in your child's age, height, and weight, and it'll tell you exactly where your child is and what percentage he is and what that means. And it will tell you your child is normal weight, underweight, overweight, or obese. So you, you can get all that information on my, on my site just knowing your child's height, weight, and age. And gender, you should know if your child's a boy or a girl. <laughs> no, so is that the same thing like when you go to your pediatrician and they say your child's in the 90th percentile of weight and X percentile of height? Um, not really, saying? because they they need to do body mass index. So, I mean, that can give you, like, you can have an idea if your child's in the 90th percentile for weight and the 5th percentile for height, you're going to realize your child's body mass index percentile is probably off. But the, you, the one, the, really the only one you care about in terms of weight is body mass index percentile. And now um, uh, pediatricians are supposed to plot the body mass index percentile for every patient. They almost never used to, and it's just very in the very recent times that now they are plotting it because the school forms are asking for it. That's interesting. Now, okay, let's say they have a higher than average BMI. Now, now, what do they do? What do you recommend? Well, that they higher do? than average is different than higher than recommended because <laughs> average is the 50th percentile. That's still normal. Anything between the 85th and the 95th percentile is overweight. So, do you mean if they have a higher than the 85th percentile? So I mean, overweight? like de details, details. But yeah, when they're when they're overweight and you know they they need some treatment. What's, right. their, what's the first step that you basically do with the families? Well, the first step would probably not include me. You know, patients wanted to start to make some changes on their own and see if they can do that. So that would be, um, you know, a new study actually just came out in the last two weeks that showed that pa uh, parents who eat dinner with their kids every night, who watch very little TV, um, and who play more outside tend to not be overweight or obese. So they're telling parents these three behaviors try to get them started young so that your child will never have this issue. So but the idea is you want to watch what your kids are eating, cut down on the portion sizes um, and all of that, and make some healthy changes at home, change from the white flour products to the whole wheat products, white rice to brown rice, that kind of stuff, and watch serving sizes. By the time patients get to me, usually those things haven't worked because it's hard to know exactly how much is the right serving size. 
And also, the mother winds up being the food police where they're fighting all the time, don't eat this, I want to eat this, and, and no mother wants to be that way. When parents come to me, all of a sudden they're not in the role of the food police and all the fighting stops because it really has to do with me and the child. And it's just much right. better for everybody in the family. Well, I know it gets really stressful for parents trying to figure out how to, one, provide for your kids just first and foremost, and then, two, to basically, you know, keep pace with the their hunger demands and mm-hmm. to make a nutritious meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and two snacks. Um, but there are some easy ways to do it. You know, to have a nutritious meal doesn't mean that you have to spend hours in the kitchen which is something I think the book proves, that all of these recipes, they're, they're, a lot of them are so easy that you don't, it's not like you're mincing onion and grinding garlic and doing a million different things. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be a difficult recipe to be healthy. Well, I think one of my one of my favorites of yours and and what we've talked about is one of your most popular is just your banana dogs. Describe mm-hmm. <laughs> for us what your banana dogs are. Basically, you take a banana and you put it in a light whole grain um, hot dog bun, and you put a layer of peanut butter on top of it, and then you squirt some jelly on top of it. My kids love it. It's such an easy breakfast. They think it's so funny. They absolutely love it. It's great. Now, now, how do you feel, though, about, like, making food time fun and kind of um, corny like that in terms of, I mean, like, I'll put, you know, make everything into smiley faces and faces and hearts. You know, what's your feeling about that? Do you feel like whatever works? Anything to make healthy food fun is good. If you can take, you know, carrots and put them in the shape of a heart and your kids are going to eat them, I think that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I've noticed with families is that they feel so much pressure and they get so stressed out about food. And food was always just like a very welcome experience for me growing up. I mean, we were the snack house growing up. Um, you always knew if you came to my house that there was going to be food and you were going to get fed. There was just no no question about it. Um, my mom loved to cook. She still does. And she really focused on making sure that we had that family dinner time. You know, almost every night we had a home-cooked meal. We sat around the table. There was no distractions allowed. The TV wasn't on. We didn't take phone calls. Basically, it was family time. And, um, you know, I think it's harder to come by these days for families to do that, continue with that tradition. And, you know, that's something that I try and still do with my kids and particularly, you know, not only dinner time, but I love doing um, at least one pancake brunch over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's the together time, and it's also like the the awareness of food. Um, so I think what the way the way our parents, as much as I love, I mean, both of them, you know how close I am to your parents, and obviously my own parents. I think the way they sort of got it wrong is yes the family time is great it's just the gluttony that follows because, <laughs> no but you have to be honest our parents are not healthy i mean they're not and they're at you know they're at risk for problems because of their weight so while what they did you know was loving for sure it's sort of like killing them with kindness you know that's but that's really what's happening and parents are doing that still to their kids so i understand that to us, we didn't even think about food. It wasn't an issue and this and that. But then sort of look how we wound up, you know. Like we, you know, you know I have I struggle with my own weight. I mean, I'm not heavy, but I'm not skinny. And I exercise constantly and I watch every single thing that goes into my mouth. And there's not anything that I eat that I don't think about. I ate it, the calories, da da da, da. You know, that's the way I am now. I don't know if part of that is from growing up eating anything I wanted without considering it and, you know, and get gaining more body fat. So how are you basically then taking the lessons, you know, you have the academic side in terms of knowing what to do and you have a program and you also have the personal experience from, you know, being in our family. How are you basically repurposing that and shaping it to basically create a more healthy environment for you and your family? So we talk a lot about healthy foods. Even my four-year-old knows what's healthy, what's not healthy, and they all, you know, they get to have, I don't tell them they can never have junk, but just like on the program, twice a week they can have a small, you know, 
a, ver- a small piece of something that's really unhealthy, you know, like a, they can have a piece of cake or whatever. We talk about, you know, fruits and vegetables and really eating more fruits and vegetables. I mean, my son is skinny as can be, but he has a voracious appetite. And, like, right. when he's at the end of his third slice of pizza, which is way too much, and he tells me he wants more, I tell him no. I'm like, I'm sorry. Now, you've had enough. It's not healthy. If you're really hungry, have some fruit, have some vegetables, have something else. Truthfully, I should be doing that after the second slice. And, you know, my mom's like, how could you tell him to stop eating? He's a growing boy. Yeah, but he doesn't need to be eating four slices of pizza. You know, it's just there are other ways. So, you know, we serve only healthy foods in my house. When we go out, we're a little bit, you know, more relaxed. But my kids are not allowed to have chicken nuggets uh, for lunch or dinner at a restaurant unless it's a special occasion because I don't believe anything is, you know, never. And I don't order french fries for them. I order uh, cucumber slices. Now, my husband always orders french fries, so then between the three of them, they share one order of french fries, which is good. It's not that they're not getting any french fries, but they're not each getting their own order. And and they know why. They know why they can't go and order chicken nuggets because it's just fried and it's so unhealthy and you know they and they understand that so i really tried to teach them uh why certain things are healthier and you know we were eating spaghetti and meatballs at my parents the other night and zachary's like can you can you pass the asparagus i need some more and like eight seconds on asparagus and i think it's because i i always kind of put that to him and had him eating asparagus and all of that that he's used to it Right, he's comfortable with with vegetables and yeah. Um, and know, I so you know, and, and, is, and, and yeah. food is always going to be love. But instead of taking my kids for hot fudge sundays, I take them for low fat frozen yogurt. Um, right. I let them put a little bit of a topping on, and they think it's the same pleasurable benefit they're getting. Like mommy loves me, and she's taking me for ice cream, but with like a right. tenth of the calories. Right, and and I I think those are all really good good pointers for for families in terms of looking for small ways to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one concern I could see a lot of parents having, saying that's great, they're when they're with me, we could follow the program, um, and when they're in my house and under my roof, but when they go to over to cousin Cynthia's house. <laughs> Right. It's a whole well, it's a whole new ball game or if they well, go you over know what? To- I have two things to say to that because this definitely has come up. My in laws took them skiing for a week last year and they were at a hotel where they have freshly baked cookies and so before they went skiing, Zachary had a a baked cookie and what cookie and loved it. Then when they came back the the hotel it was like a bed and breakfast had made cupcakes and so my mother in law says, Ooh, Zachary, you've got to try the cupcakes. He took a little bite, and he goes, mmm, this is delicious. He's like, but you know what? I really already had my treat for today. How about we wrap this up, and I'm going to eat this tomorrow because it's so good. This is, I mean, I wasn't there, This is, but this is him knowing it's not really good. It's not healthy to have two treats in, the, in a day. I wasn't there. I said nothing. My mother-in-law was shocked. He wrapped it up, brought it to his room. The next day, that was his treat. Um which doesn't mean that when they go to your house and you put M&Ms out, they're not going to be all over the M&Ms because they so rarely have access to a bowl of M&Ms. But when I look at them after a while and I say, okay, kids, that's enough, right. that's enough, and they stop, you know, and they're thrilled that they got to have some and it was exciting for them, and now they're done. Right, and that, that's incredible willpower and discipline because, yeah, you know, I would, I don't think I'd ever let a cupcake go <laughs> well, at half mass. <laughs> but, Cindy, you know the story about um, when, my, when Zachary was at the JCC and after school all of my friends went to the, um, the cafe there and we would all sit there and they would all have chocolate bars every single day for a snack after school, and they joke, oh, I can't believe I'm feeding my kid this in front of you. Um, but every day it was a chocolate bar, like a real big chocolate bar. And I didn't know what to do because I was not giving my son a huge chocolate bar every day after school as a snack. That was not a message that I wanted to send that that was okay. Um, but I also didn't, what was I going to do, have him sit there and not eat chocolate while all of his friends ate chocolate? Or do I not take him there at all and then he misses out on the social part? So I was really at a loss of what to do. And I kind of dug into, like, what I thought was the right thing to do. And 
I said, I sat him down. I said, listen, different mommies have different rules. Your friends are allowed to eat chocolate at every snack. Mommy doesn't think that's help, healthy. So you cannot eat chocolate at every snack. Some days you can, because again, I believe everything in moderation. Some days you can go and you can have chocolate, but most days you need to pick something healthy. Now, I'd love to be able to tell you that he said, no problem, Mom, and that was it. But, you know, I mean, there were temper tantrums and screaming and you're the worst mommy in the world and I hate you. And I I dealt with it because I felt strongly in what I was doing. And after a couple of weeks, I would pick him up. He'd be like, Mommy, is today a healthy day or a chocolate day? And I'd say, today's a healthy day. Okay, maybe tomorrow will be a chocolate day. But let me tell you, when it was his chocolate day, which was once a week, he loved that chocolate more than the kids who were just eating chocolate every day. You know, it was right. more special to him. But right. he held his own. He sat there and had a, like a healthy granola bar while all of his friends ate chocolate. I didn't. I mean, what would you have done in that situation, Cynthia? Oh, you're asking me? Come on, I would have gave my my daughter as a chocolateholic. Totally. You would have given um, her the chocolate. I probably would have gave her the chocolate. Um, my son, he doesn't really care for chocolate, so that's not an issue. I mean, my, my but son... But then what do you think you would have been teaching her? And then how could you not expect her to think a chocolate bar is an okay snack every day after school? Uh, she definitely has Hershey's Kisses almost every single day. Okay, but a Hershey's Kiss is different than a big chocolate bar. You know, one or two Hershey's kisses. I, I don't fine. know if she'd be able to to eat a whole chocolate bar at this point. Um, maybe she could if I really let her. But you know, she. I don't know. I just. I, I have a different conversation about food. Um, I kind of. I don't know if I necessarily address it head on and and am confrontational about it. I'm more passive and kind of more suggestive in terms of, okay, that was fun. Let's now have some some grapes or nothing or Cheerio, you know, multi-grain Cheerios or whatever. But um but I get the the societal and peer pressure that kids have when it comes to food. I mean, through friends was where growing up that I basically either tried things or I didn't try things and through your friends you're exposed to different things and particularly with food. I remember going over to one of my friends from high school's house and we used to have like a box of fruity pebbles every single day. Went to my other friend's house, and it was, you know, pierogies, which I still don't like, but she used to ha- always have, like, pierogies and farina or whatever it was. <laughs> and that's what we ate. And we came to my house after nursery school. I wanted bacon. I just wanted, like, gourds and gourds of bacon. Um, and that is what I was craving. You know, if I'm looking at it now and my kids are craving bacon, I might now, I'm a little bit more educated and be like, well, they really need some sodium. Let's give them celery sticks. Um, but I don't, I don't know how it would fly. And yeah, you know, I, I tend to fall into victim of giving into my kids a little bit more, especially around food. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my son, he is a picky eater. He's definitely a purist. Like he doesn't like anything that looks dirty. Like if I make, um, a round of chocolate chip pancakes one, one morning, because, you know, like I said, I like our Sunday pancake brunches. Um, my daughter loves the, you know, if I throw chocolate chips in and my son, he took the chocolate chip pancake and went to the sink to go wash it because he thought it was dirty. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, two very different children and very different taste buds. Um, you know, my son is picky and he will refuse to eat. And you talked about a lot about this and I know you've, um, you mentioned in your book also and you've done, um, different blogs on it about, creating special meals for children. And I know you're a big proponent of not doing that and basically serving whatever you're serving for dinner, hope, you know, making sure it's a healthy meal and waiting, basically duking it out with your kids and, until they eat it. Um, well, I, don't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it that way at all. I think that um, I think you have to do it with a grain of, you know, a grain of salt. Like, so, for example, if you know your son really doesn't like a certain food, I'm not going to fight with him to do it. But if I know he doesn't want to eat the chicken because he thinks he could get something better, 
you know, then that's a problem. So I try to see, like, does he really not like it, or is he just hoping that he's going to get something he likes more? And that's a big difference. Um, but the rule we have in my house is the two-bite rule. They have to try two bites of every food every time it's on their plate. And if they really don't like it, they don't have to have any more. Usually by the time they're on the second bite, if it's one of those things where they like it but they just are hoping to hold out for something better, then it's just easier for them to eat the whole thing and he'll go on and eat the whole thing. If he really doesn't like it, then I will often make something else for him. Right. Um, and I know that is something that a lot of families struggle with about, you know, they make make all these different foods and they, they um, you know, they put different things in variety of foods, especially vegetables in front of their kids and they, their kids refuse to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's an important distinction between do they really not like it or are they holding out for something better? You know, my son will definitely... He'll take one look at what I'm serving, and if it's not on his menu, he'll mm-hmm. <laughs> basically cross it off the list. And I can put it in front of him a million times, and he just won't go for it. I think um, what you need to do in that instance, though, is at the beginning let him, maybe at the beginning you fight it out just so he knows there there really isn't an option to unless it's you really need it. And you learn which meals that's okay for. So, like, with salmon, I don't even make him have two tastes of salmon anymore. I just give him what he wants. But with chicken, he can cry as much as he wants to cry. I know he eats chicken. He's eating chicken for dinner. I'm not making him something else. So I think you pick your boundaries of when to be strong. Well, I think the other thing that I hear you really saying is that um, it's not just a trial and an error, but it's really becoming accustomed to a new way of seeing food right. and your relationship with food. And it's basically doing a recalibrating on parents as well as as well as well children. A hundred percent. That You couldn't be more right. And I always tell parents when they've decided on something like this, sit down and say to your kids, listen, we read a new book or we met, we heard from this doctor or whatever it is, and we're learning ways to get healthier. Even we didn't know that some of the things we've been doing may not be the healthiest ways to be. So starting today, we're really going to try to learn how to be healthier. That way you're not accusing your kids like, you're not healthy, you need to make changes. You're saying right. we're going to do it together. But it also um, clues your kids in that, like, wait a minute, all the old rules are not necessarily flying anymore. Now these are, you know, because if you just say to your son one day, sorry, you can't eat it, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? This always happens. You have to explain things are different now. You know, we're we're going to try to eat healthier. Some of the things we've been doing have not been as healthy, so we're going to be making new changes now. Right, and I think that definitely works with kids who are a little bit older. I don't think my kids would even understand that concept yet. I think Colby would definitely understand it. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he may not understand, oh, a doctor, and you read her book, and blah, blah, you know, but you would talk differently. You would say, like, Colby, we haven't been as healthy as we can be. Mommy and Daddy want to get more healthy. We need to learn how to eat healthy. Say it a few times, and then when he says he wants this, then you say, no, remember I told you we're trying to eat healthy. This is healthy. We're going to try to eat this because we all need to eat healthy. And you just say those few words over and over. At least they understand hey, something's new going on, at least I know there's a reason for it. Right. And I think one of the biggest problems is that kids do learn by example. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just cutting back to our family um, gluttonous mm-hmm. <laughs> occasions, you know, especially at my grandmother's house. Um mm-hmm where there's a big pot of spaghetti and literally if you don't didn't grab and ate, eat it in like two seconds, you didn't get fed. Um, you know, like there was no way that anyone then would have like the con- the conscious of mind to be like, oh, wait a minute, I need to have portion control. Like there was, yeah. a, uh, there was in time. But, you know, it's the same same thing now. If you're basically demanding and obviously you could be, real thin, but if your kid really is overweight and has a problem, that if you're, you know, putting them on this road to eating healthy and putting them on on a um, weight management program like yours, it's really then hard if you sit there and just start stuffing your face in front of them. 
Um, oh, yeah. It really has to be a family undertaking and a learning by, you know, learning to eat together as a family and by example. I mean, the hardest thing about being on diets is when you start going out with other people who aren't. <laughs> right. You know, and I think it does have to be a family um, a family priority to basically relearn your relationship with food. Um, we, again, we all know that we need to eat. We have to try new things. And it's very important, I think, to love it. Nobody nobody really wants to eat just because you have to. Nobody's like my grandparents anymore where they, they ate to live. You know, we do live to eat, and that needs to be um, an ongoing and, like you said, a fun experience. Um, and I think, again, that your book really is um, an accessible option for families who are looking for ways and looking for new recipes. You outline uh, and have sample menus. You have sample a whole sample snack section for like, you know, an entire week. You discuss what's, what's portion control. You have different lunch menus. I'm definitely going to try doing your black bean burger because that looks delicious. Yeah. Yeah, that looks really, really good. I can't wait to try that recipe. And there's a lot of new things in here that I wouldn't have thought to do, even just when you're talking about um, making chicken nuggets. The simple option, instead of frying them in oil, is to bake them. Right. And these are simple things that any of us can do. And honestly, when you're cooking at home, it's ten times easier to bake something, I think, than fry something. It's less messy, first of all. And, um, And I think you're... You do a brilliant job of laying things out there and also having recipes for desserts and cookies and pizza and all the foods that kids normally love, but really showing you how to make it to make it more healthy for for your kids to eat. Um, we are coming to the close of the hour, so I did want to invite our listeners again to check out to check out my cousin's book and check out her website. And again, that's www.drdrdolgoff.com. And do you have any closing remarks before we get into my my standard standard closing mama questions? No, just, you know, it's never too young to start a child on a diet. People sometimes fear that they're going to give their child an eating disorder by addressing their overweight child's issues, but the truth is that you decrease the risk of disordered eating by giving overweight children the tools to make healthy changes. It's the overweight kids who know they're overweight and don't know what to do about it because no one's talking about it who wind up starving themselves or binging and purging. Overweight kids want to lose weight. You need to give them the necessary tools to do that and and do it with them in a supportive manner. Right, because otherwise, like you said, they don't have any other options, so they just think, okay, if I'm, if food is my problem, I'll just won't eat it or I'll throw it up. Right, exactly. I think you're. I think that makes a whole bunch of sense. And um, even young, it's never too young or too old, basically, to to take control of um, and to readjust your your eating schedule. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now we get to have a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. So this is the Come Tell Mama section. And, you know, it's just you and I talking here, honey. So what is your luxury indulgence? Massages. Mm. I get now, so stressed. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you you need the downtime. So which of the following would you prefer? Mm-hmm. The best, or which would you choose? The best sex of your life? The best meal of your life? or the best sleep of your life? Does that meal of my life have a lot of calories? The best meal of my life with few calories. It could be whatever you want. It's just the best. Yes, the best meal of my life. Guilt and consequence free. Okay, the best meal of my life, because I already get the other two on a regular basis. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what is your favorite... Oh, I know this. Come on. Your favorite movie genre... Comedy, romance, horror, action, or not. I'm going to create a new one for you and say cheese. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like romantic comedies. (laughs) And I do call them cheese, but I like them. Oh, you you have the cheesiest taste in movies, my God. But that's okay. (laughs) All right, so the best advice that your mama ever gave you. 
if you follow your heart, the money will follow. And that was when I was deciding in medical school, everybody was warning me away from pediatrics because it's the lowest paid field of medicine. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should go into dermatology or something else. And my mom's like, but you hate dermatology and you hate this. I'm like, yeah, but I need to be able to support myself. And she said, find what you love, the money will follow. And she was 100% right. That is amazing advice. Well, thank you so much, Kaz, for joining us here on Mama's Pearls. My pleasure. I loved having you on. I look forward to talking with you again, especially when we do healthcare stuff. Perfect. And just congratulations to you and all that you've done with your book and with your program. I am just a very, very proud mama cousin. Yay. How are I'm you? proud of you. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Now we get to go back to our day jobs. I think actually today for you is um, a little bit time with your children, so yes. go ahead and enjoy them. Thank you. And again, if you wanted to find Joanna... <laughs> Her website is www.drdolgoff.com. She has a ton of amazing resources, and she puts out an amazing blog. The title of her book, again, is Red Light, Green Light, Eat Right. If you want to listen to any of the archives here at Mama's Pearls, please go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. If you want to email me, please do so. It's Cynthia at mamaspearls.com. You can find me on Twitter, which is at Cintweet, which is C-Y-N-T-W-E-E-T. Come check out this week's blog, Food Fight, or any of my past blogs at www.mamaspearls.blogspot.com. And again, this is Cynthia from Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your time, enjoy your children, say I love you, and go have yourself a nice, healthy meal. Talk to you next week. <laughs>